Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for July 18th, 2010. We're going to go into part two here and talk about this golf situation. And the first thing we're going to be doing is just listening to a very short video clip from an expert on the subject called Matt Simmons, who says that BP is covering up a massive hole, a massive hole miles away, meaning a seabed fissure. And this whole cap test thing that they're doing right now, he quotes, he says is, quote, absurd. Energy Institute. What do you know about this cap, Matt? Well, Dylan, I think, I mean, the whole thing is just absurd. The, it, it all goes back to their, to their concept that all of the oil that's now killed the Gulf of Mexico is coming out of, out of, out of some cracks in the drilling riser, as opposed to the open hole several miles away that's still spewing 120,000 barrels a day of oil, toxic oil, into the Gulf of Mexico. And I think enough's enough. I think it's time for our government to tell them, no, get off the air, stop your advertising, stop deceiving the public. Uh, and and put the military in charge and send a submarine down and actually find the open hole so we at least know where it is. The government at this point seems to be working with BP, and I don't know if they even acknowledge the open hole that you're referencing. Well, the 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 uh, the, the senior guy uh, at the Los Angeles Times published a story last week ago Sunday saying that he visited when, on Saturday afternoon with Secretary Chu and Secretary Salazar, and they showed him the, the sonar images they had of the of the BOP that they finally located and the pieces of casing that had pierced through five stories. So I'm not sure why they haven't made that more public. I think maybe they're just confused that they don't want to alarm people because BP is so certain that it's all coming from the drilling riser. But it couldn't be a, a, a six-inch annular or seven-inch annular, even though it's a mile long, could not have basically covered the, the Gulf of Mexico with four to 500 feet of this toxic oil. Could not, period. But I guess the, the issue of acknowledging or denying the existence of the massive hole a few miles away as a result of the blow out. Well, if they acknowledged it, they go to jail, and their fortunes would be over, so they can't. It's the big lie. But, so the, but are you suggesting the government is complicit in facilitating the lie, much as we saw with I the financial think, industry? I don't think they're intentionally doing it. I think they're just basically confused, because so many people keep saying BP is such a good... I'm being told by one of my people I respect most in Washington, D.C., who's been you know, a supporter of the oil and gas industry for 20 years, that uh, two-thirds of his friends there think this is a green conspiracy to, to tar a great company, BP. And that is so, so you're basically saying the, the denial and division and poison that has overtaken our political conversation, and more importantly, the... Okay, so that was that was the end of it there. Uh, I don't happen to believe that either BP or government is that innocent regarding this whole particular matter, but that's their that's their take on it. This next article is um, the reason I'm emphasizing this is because we've got all this stuff going on now with this with the the cap. Now they're they're going to cap it and they're doing all these pressure tests and things of this nature. Well, if you think about it, regarding the information we just heard, how he said there's a seabed fissure miles away that's putting out 120,000 barrels or barrels or um, I believe per day if you've got that dynamic going on who cares if they cap the oil head well it doesn't matter all that's going to do is if it's coming from the same leak and most likely it is all of that's going to do is the extra pressure now that will be created by capping the oil head that's going to get forced into these other fissures that are going out around the wellhead. All it's going to do is create a worse and worse problem because now you're going to have more oil, more pressure, and you're going to create larger and larger fissures. So ultimately, I think what they're doing is going to worsen the situation. Next article is BP official admits to damage beneath the seafloor. This is, uh, they're reporting and they say, as I noted Tuesday, there is growing evidence that BP's oil well technically causing, called the well casing or well bore, has suffered damage beneath the level of the seafloor. The evidence is growing stronger and stronger that there is substantial damage beneath the seafloor. Indeed, it appears that BP officials themselves have admitted to such damage. This has enormous impacts on both the amount of oil leaking into the Gulf and the prospects for quickly stopping the leak this summer. On May 31st, the Washington Post noted, Sources at two companies involved with the well 
said that BP also discovered new damage inside the well below the seafloor, and that as a result, some of the drilling mud that had that was successfully forced into the well was going off to the side into rock formations. We discovered things that were broken in the subsurface, said a BP official, who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Meaning he didn't want anybody to know who he was. He said that the mud was making it out to the side into the formation, meaning that this well bore, the, the drilling pipes have been breached. The pressure is so great, and we've heard pressures all the way up to 100,000 PSI, the pressures are so great that it's literally eroded the steel casing on the pipes, and in, and in some areas, I believe, and it seems very apparent, that it's gotten so thin that it's actually broken through the well casing, which is what's actually making these formations possible, where they're coming out uh, farther away from the actual leak itself. Okay, here's another one. On June 2nd, Bloomberg. Now, these are mainstream media sources we're citing here. Uh, Washington, uh, Washington Post. Now, Bloomberg, on June 2nd, pointed out, quote, Plugging the well is another challenge, even after BP successfully intersects it. Robert B., a University of California Berkeley engineer professor, said, BP has said it believes that the well bore is damaged which could hamper efforts to fill it with mud and set a concrete plug. B is an expert in offshore drilling and a high-level governmental advisor concerning disasters. On the same day, a Wall Street Journal report noted there might be a leak in BP's well casing 1,000 feet beneath the seafloor. <clears throat> this is quoting from that article. BP has concluded that its top kill attempt last week to seal the broken well in the Gulf of Mexico may have failed due to malfunctioning disk inside the well about a thousand feet below the seafloor. The broken disc may have prevented the heavy drilling mud injected into the well last week from getting far enough down into the well to overcome the pressure from the escaping oil and gas, people familiar with BP's findings said. They said much of the drilling mud may also have escaped from the well into the rock formation outside the well bore. On June 3rd, the Canadian press noted, quoted the top governmental official in charge of the response to the oil spill, Admiral Thad Allen, uh, commander of the Coast Guard, as pointing to the same possibility, where he said, quote, the failure of the so-called top-kill procedure, which entailed pumping mud into the well at high velocity, suggested there actually could be something wrong with the well casing. And there could be open communication in the strata or the rock formations below the seafloor, Allen said. On June 7th, Senator Bill Nelson of Florida told MSNBC that he's investigating reports of oil seeping up from additional leak points on the seafloor. Senator Bill Nelson, Democrat of Florida, said, Andrea, we're looking into something new right now. There's reports that the oil is seeping up from the seabed, which would indicate that if it's true that the well case in itself is actually pierced underneath the seabed. So you know the problems could just be enormous with what we're facing. Andrea Mitchell then responds from MSNBC. She says, quote, Let me now understand better what you're saying. If that is true, that is what is coming up from the seabed, even the relief well won't be the final solution to cap this, this thing. That means that we've got oil gushing up at disparate places along the seafloor. Senator Nelson says, quote, That is possible unless you get the plug down low enough below where the pipe would be breached. Indeed, the loss of integrity in the well, and this is going back to the article, indeed, loss of integrity in the well itself may explain why BP is drilling its relief wells more than 10,000 feet beneath the leaking pipes on the seafloor. Yesterday, recently retired Shell Oil President John Hoffmeister said that the well casing below the seafloor may be compromised. They questioned him, and the question to him was, what are the chances that the well casing below the seafloor has been compromised and that the gas and the oil are coming up from the outside of the well casing, eroding the soft rock? Could this lead to a catastrophic geological failure, unstoppable even by relief wells? John Hoffmeyer, former CEO, former CEO of Shell, says, quote, this is what some people fear has occurred. It is also why the top kill procedure was halted. If the casing is compromised, the well is that much more difficult to shut down, including the risk that the relief wells may not be enough. If the relief wells do not result in stopping the flow, the next and drastic step is to implode the well on top of itself, 
which carries other risks as well. Now, I'll, I'll just make a point here. I'm seeing a lot now where they're starting to talk about a nuke, where they're actually going to put some type of specialized nuclear device down there, way down there, 10,000 feet below the surface, and try to create the specialized type of what they call EMP blast, which stands for electromagnetic pulse, which will literally fuse and turn the glass or the rock into like glass, and in order to get this thing stopped. Now, what they're also fearing is if they try something like that, that it could ignite all this methane, and we could have like Hiroshima underwater, and it would probably be a whole lot worse than Hiroshima, which would create a gigantic tsunami, which would most likely decimate all the Gulf regions and probably all of Florida, that could actually drop, uh, uh, explode the well literally upward. You, you could say the sea, seabed floor could literally collapse into the well, or we could have an explosion upward, who knows, and that could cause a tsunami. And also, if, the, if all this gas ignites at once, I can't even imagine what that would entail. Uh, but anyway, that's some other things that I've been seeing lately. Um... Uh, as noted yesterday, in, in it's called Engineer Magazine, an official from Cameron International, who is the manufacturer of the blowout preventer for BP's leaking oil drill operation, noted that one cause of the failure of the BOP blowout preventer could have been damage to the wellbore. Uh, the steel casing or casing hanger could have been ejected from the well and blocked the operation of the rams. Oil industry Rob Carvner believes that the casing might be damaged beneath the seafloor, noting the real doomsday scenario here is that if the casing gives up and it does and it does come through the other strings of pipe, remember it is the concentric pipe that holds this well together. If that comes into the formation, basically you've got uncontrolled oil flow to the seafloor, and that is a doomsday scenario. Now, every single one of these people we're quoting is either a mainstream news source or some expert that's literally on the scene. We got former CEO of, of Shell. You got a you got Senator Bill Nelson. You got oil industry ex- expert Rob Kavner. You got Engineer Magazine Wayne. All these people. None of this is like from alternative media we're talking about here. It's about as high level of opinion as you're going to get, and this is what they're admitting to. Carvner also said that BP must keep the well flowing to minimize oil and gas going out into the formation on the side. What does that mean? That means that BP's got to just, they shouldn't even try to cap it right now. They just let the thing go because the more they pressurize and cap that well, the more that pressure is going to be diverted to all these other places on the seabed floor and it's going to make those other fissures way worse. Uh, they're going to open up more. There's going to be more pressure in them, and now you've got just you've you've solved one problem and created way more horrific problems all around all around it. Uh, so that was his his assessment of it. Given the impact on the American people, natural resources, and the economy, BP and the government must fully disclose the amount of damage underneath the seafloor and what that means for efforts to cap the well. And again, as I do every week, I will have all of these articles. I will send them out via email. But I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm having a lot of trouble, again, with uh, sending out emails. I, I know I'm being censored. I'll send emails to myself, literally. And um, they're not coming back to me. So, if you don't get this, go up to contendingfortruth.com and click on the PDF. And if you want to get on my email list, just email me at Dr. Johnson, D-R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at the letter I, the letter X, dot netcom, N-E-T-C-O-M, dot com. And let me know what list you want to be on. I have a Christian-oriented and a, and a uh, health newsletter. I highly advise you get on both because um, a lot of these subjects are interrelated, particularly the further we move into the end-time scenarios. So, anyway... Um, I'm having to send out emails now. If you see dashes between the letters like Gulf Updates, End Time Current Events, I'm sending out with all dashes in between because that seems to be the, the thing that I need to do so that who, whatever is censoring me doesn't pick up on it. It seems to be 
the only way I can get an email out successfully now. Next article. Um, for the last few weeks, BP has been offering signing bonuses and lucrative pay to prominent scientists from public universities around the Gulf Coast to aid its defense against spill litigation. BP attempted to hire the entire marine sciences department at one Alabama university. According to scientists involved in the discussions with the company lawyers, the university declined because of the confidentiality restrictions that the company sought on its research. So BP is trying to do whatever they can do to, to minimize any lawsuits that are coming against them to the point where they're trying to hire an entire marine sciences department at one Alabama university. And again, what does that tell you? It tells you they don't want to pay out anything they don't have to pay out. And they're going to fight as much as they can do regarding that. The attacks on our internet freedoms continue. A secret trade negotiation is going on right now in South Korea, of all places, which will most likely lead to your internet service providers spying on your internet habits. What's going on? Like I have argued here over and over and over, first it's your civil liberties, then it's your economic liberties, and now the government wants to know exactly what you're doing online, what sites you're visiting, and what you're reading. We reported earlier this week that the CIA is financially involved in a front company that wants to snoop in on your social media and Twitter activities. But now a super-secret meeting that's closed to the public is underway, where governments are agreeing to curtail whatever freedom is left on the World Wide Web. Joining me now to discuss all of this is Shelley Roche of BiteStyle.tv. Shelley, welcome back to Freedom Watch. Hi, Judge. What's this all about? What, what freedoms are they trying to negotiate away under the guise of a trade agreement in South Korea? Well, Judge, what's particularly alarming about this is the degree to which the administration has gone to keep the negotiations secret. And when I say secret, I mean secret from the public, because they actually did invite 42 people to review and comment on this discussion, uh, subject to very strict non-disclosure agreements, so they couldn't talk about what they had seen. But 40 of those 42 people represented large corporate entities. So, you know, right off the bat, it, it doesn't look great for transparency. All right. um, this, is a, this is a trade agreement. There are two kinds of trade agreements. There is a kind like NAFTA, which is akin to a treaty that has to be confirmed or, or approved by two-thirds of the Senate. There are also trade right. agreements that the Congress has authorized the president to enter into on his own without requiring any congressional approval. In which category? I'm almost afraid of the answer, Shelley. In which <laughs> category is this proposed secret trade agreement. This is an executive agreement, which means it is not subject to congressional approval, which gives us as the public virtually no accountability. This would allow the President of the United States of America on his own and without seeking the consent of any other elected representative to tell Internet service providers that they have to spy on Americans who use the Internet, record who looks at what site under the guise of protecting copyright? Do I have this right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty unbelievable, and it's clearly a reflection of entertainment industry demands for stricter copyright laws, and they want them not only here in the U.S., but on a global scale. And, you know, we haven't seen the any official documents because of, you know, the transparency issues, but... There was a document that leaked uh, at the end of last week, and what we saw was very alarming. And as you said, it's it's a reflection of these copyright issues. And uh, for example, um, ISPs will now be held liable if any copyrighted material is transmitted or stored on their networks. So uh, you know the way things happen now. Uh, just to give you a little background, is when you send an email or do something on the Internet, your data is transmitted in two parts. And the one part is called a header, and it has just the basic information about where that data is going. Right. And that's what ISPs use to take your data and send it out where it needs to go. The other part of that data packet is the content. 
So when you send an email, the actual text of your email is in that content. What this, this threat of liability would, would uh, prompt ISPs to do is do what's called deep packet inspection, which gives them access to that content part of your data transmission. So when you send an email, they'll actually be reading the contents of your email to see if there's any copyrighted materials contained therein. And, of course, they'd be able to read whatever they want, no matter how private it might be and no matter how exactly. irrelevant it might be to the whole concept uh, of copyright. Well, we appreciate right. you bringing this story to us. Stay on top of it for us, Shelley, because most people don't know about it. And as always, thanks for joining us on Freedom Watch. Thanks, Judge. Okay, so let's go to the next article here. We're going to be covering several points on this particular topic today. Next one is entitled U.S. Authorities Shut Down WordPress Host with 73,000 Blogs. Uh, this was from July 16th. After the U.S. government took action against several sites connected to movie streaming recently, nerves are jangling over the possibility that it is just the beginning of a wider crackdown. Now it appears that a free blogging platform has actually been taken down by its hosting provider on orders from U.S. authorities on the grounds of a, quote, history of abuse. More than 73,000 blogs are out of action as a result. Once again, the Obama administration has violated the Bill of Rights. The action was completely ignored by the corporate media. Hot on the heels of the recent threats from Vice President Joe Biden and Intellectual Property Enforcement Coordinator Victoria Espinel directed at sites offering unauthorized movies and music, last month U.S. authorities targeted several sites they claim were connected to the streaming of infringing video material. And what, Again, why would the government be so uh, obsessed with copyrighted material from like you know I don't know pirated movies or, or, or songs or whatever why why with all the things that are going on in the world right now why are they so obsessed with this particular subject uh, well I think they're trying to get their foot in the door it's like anything else they start you off with something that may be a little more flagrant but out of the 73,000 blogs they took down I mean you can't tell me that every single one of those blogs were, were transmitting, you know, copywritten or, or this type of material. What they're doing is they're going up there and saying, because supposedly there's a history of abuse with this particular provider, we're going to take down everybody. So it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You could have had 1% of those blogs that were actually doing that, and yet they're going to take down them all. It's going to be their excuse. And what they're trying to do is start conditioning us for this to happen. And freedom of speech and the whole nine yards is, is dwindling away. Next article uh, goes on to say, The National Security Agency has begun work on an expansive spy system that will monitor critical infrastructure inside the United States for cyber attacks. In a move, which means on the Internet primarily, and a move that detractors say could end up violating privacy rights and expanding the NSA's domestic spying abilities. The Wall Street Journal cites unnamed sources as saying the NSA has issued a $100 million contract to defense contractor Raytheon. Now Raytheon, you start getting into Raytheon, now you're dealing with black ops. You're dealing with black projects. You're dealing with, with a lot of very, very high-level clandestine bad, bad stuff that the government is involved with. So they've got, NSA has a $100 million contract to defense contractor Raytheon to build a system dubbed, quote, Perfect Citizen, which will involve placing sensors at critical points in the computer networks of private and public organizations that run infrastructure. Organizations such as nuclear power plants and electric grid operators in an email obtained by the journal, an unnamed Raytheon employee describes the system as Big Brother. I mean, think of that perfect citizen. Sounds like something out of 1984 with George Orwell. You know, you want to be a good little Nazi. You want to do as you're told and not, you know, deviate from what Big Brother's telling you to do. He said, this insider from Raytheon said, the overall purpose of the program of the program is our government feels that they need to ensure the public sector is doing all they can do to secure infrastructure critical to our national security. The email states then um, 
goes on to state that perfect citizen is big brother. Next article, Obama, one step closer to internet control. Now, these are all totally separate articles I found on this subject, just, you know, in the last couple days of researching this. This is on News with Views, writer Jim Corey, from July 11th. Senate Bill 773, as written by West Virginia Senator Jay Rockefeller. <laughs> so you got Rockefeller, who, who you know, basically now you're dealing with high-level Illuminati. Jay Rockefeller would, would create new emergency powers for the president to have power over any non-governmental computer networks, whether public or private, that are declared by the president to be critical. Well, that could be anything. Any national emergency, anything that happens, any non-governmental computer network, whether public or private, the president could take over. Before the summer recess, the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee unanimously approved protecting cyberspace as a national asset as with the National Asset Act of 2010. The bill, co-sponsored by Senators Joe Lieberman, Susan Collins of Maine, Thomas Carper of Delaware, gives the President the authority to order independent operators of critical infrastructure and to completely shut down the Internet. During an interview, Senator Lieberman used the cybersecurity system utilized by the People's Republic of China, which is a decidedly totalitarian communistic government, he used them as an example of his own bill's applications. He had the audacity and gall to use China as an example of the bill's own application. And I hate to say this, but unless the Lord intervenes in this matter some way, this is what we're going to. And, you know, I know, like when I was on Sermon Audio, I knew my days were numbered. Well, I think really literally with the, with the internet, I believe anybody that's putting out truth, their days are numbered. And um, they're, they're really going after Alex Jones right now. And again, I'm not saying I agree with every single thing Alex Jones, but they really are going after him, it appears. And I'm going to let him give a, a short little talk here in a second regarding the subject that will also further confirm what we're looking at here. Uh, let's see here. The Senate bill, if passed, would give the President of the United States the authority to declare a cyber emergency and close down the Internet by disconnecting its users. In addition, it will require IT professionals to be certified by the federal government something that angers many IT technicians and those who believe in the First Amendment. So that's going to pretty much, you know, take down <laughs> pretty much all the critical people that are, that are uh, integral in the Internet being maintained. Americans are being deceived by the news media and their elected officials in Washington, D.C., and it's Americans who will suffer from that deception, according to information technology experts. The stealth legislation is being sponsored by the powerful and highly partisan Senator Jay Rockefeller and liberal Senator Olympia Snow claim its critics. Here's another article. Um, this is from actually Russia Today, which is another news network. Is the United States government or outside forces the real threat to cybersecurity? Alex Jones says that the government is trying to silence free speech in America by expanding their reach on the Internet. He also says his own personal sites have been censored, even deleted. Cyber war, bringing down the electrical grid, even sabotaging weapon systems. What's the next frontier the U.S. government is worried war will be waged and has made cybersecurity a national security priority as a result? But now agencies are launching programs like the Perfect Citizen to track cyber threats, but they could be used to spy. And bills are floating around Congress that could give the president the power to shut down the Internet. So is the real threat to people's privacy and civil liberties? Radio host Alex Jones joins me with more. I'm sure I'll have plenty to say on this subject. Uh, Alex, now you argue that cybersecurity actually has nothing to do with protecting the infrastructure of the U.S., as officials have suggested uh, a war could be waged on. It has everything to do, actually, with taking over the Internet. How do you figure? Well, first off, thanks for having me here. We were well aware of the cybersecurity plan a decade ago uh, when they began building these giant NSA snooping hubs. And then Bush accelerated the program, despite the fact that Congress hasn't passed it into law. 
it's already in place, and it's to phase us into Internet 2, where everything is surveilled. Uh, the FCC here in the U.S. has said that they're going to track everything that you do on your computer and block things uh, from your access. And so this is extremely Orwellian. I mean, even mainstream news in the United States has headlines like, is the NSA's perfect citizen the ultimate spying tool? So it's not my opinion. I have analyzed uh, both the legislation and these grids, these huge NSA centers that they've built all over the country, where they're basically forcing all the Internet service providers to wire their main systems through the government. And then they use the red herring of, Oh, my gosh, somebody will bring down our power grid. Someone will shut down our nuclear power plant. Someone will hack into our B-2 bombers. Uh, the power plants, the B-2 bombers, they are not hooked in to the Internet. Those facilities have Internet access, but their main grids are not hooked into the Internet. There's been some talk about doing it, but they shouldn't be. But, uh, so Alex, really this is Alex, there have been real attacks on electric grids in other countries. There are reports from intelligence officials that have been confirmed that in Brazil, back in 2005 in Rio de Janeiro, and then later in 2007, there were major attacks that led to blackouts that affected millions of people. Officials believe this is a real threat. So what would you be doing? What's the solution? Well... The point I'm trying to make is is that we have Senator Lieberman saying he wants Chinese-style power to, quote, shut the Internet off. We have Cass Sunstein, the White House uh, regulations are, saying uh, restrict people like myself from criticizing man-made global warming and saying it's a fraud uh, for restricting 9-11 truthers from having uh, our views. Just two days ago, Facebook deleted our official account. There's still fan sites out there for now, but we're seeing a lot of those fan sites uh, now being deleted, and the proof's up on prisonplanet.com. We just posted an article minutes ago about that. And we do see these calls uh, by different federal agencies to tax alternative media and blogs to, quote, fund a government megaphone through old line uh, broadcast television and print media. So, so this is really a cover. I'm not saying that there couldn't be some hacking threats and aren't some malicious groups out there, but I'm also concerned about our own government or corporations launching cyber attacks against themselves as a pretext to shut down the Internet. The truth is Obama's approval rating, as I predicted a year and a half ago, has fallen to an all-time low But that has to do with the economy. I mean, numerous accounts from, from both sides say that. I mean, 7 out of 10 Americans don't think the economy is getting any better or staying the same. I mean, what do you think cyber sure, security has to, to do with the approval criticism. ratings? Oh, shut down Sure, criticism. sure. I'm saying they want to shut down... Uh, the, the, the speech. I mean, Australia is trying to pass, quote, Chinese-style net censorship. Uh, in England, I have two guys that work for me in England, the Watsons, and on, quote, free government broadband, but taxpayers pay for it, but they call it free, uh, you can't get on my websites. We're being censored already uh, everywhere, and, and, and even congressmen are saying that the cybersecurity plan is a cover to surveil the Internet and to curtail it. Um, the FCC is announcing they want to censor the web. This is the grid to do it. And so, sure, they can claim it's to protect the Internet, you know, quote, shut down the Internet to protect it. Uh, the issue is they are sending up trial balloons to start uh, really restricting free speech worldwide using the, the Chinese oppressive authoritarian uh, model, and, and we're seeing censorship everywhere uh, intensify. We're seeing Google you know, running around all over Europe and the United States and England uh, trawling for people's wireless uh, Internet communications. I mean, that's supposedly illegal for the government to do, but Google's doing it, and it's come out that, that Google is deep in bed with the national security uh, agency. So uh, what we're seeing is Big Brother you know, say, oh, I want to you know, censor you. I want to control you for your own good. I mean, even the New York Times is calling for a kindler, gentler uh, Internet. So all Never thought I'd heard you hear you side with the mainstream media on that one. But I just want to really ask what you think then is the solution. If cyber war is the next chapter, the next frontier where war is going to be waged, the Internet is the means to do that, to do things like uh, shut down the power grid, to even sabotage weapon systems, then what is the U.S. to do to protect against that? Maybe some of these means are necessary in order to be able to protect national security if it is this threat. Okay, what would you let me, do? I mean, let me give you the solution. Uh, it, it may be hooked up to the Internet in Brazil, uh, but the critical main systems of our nuclear power plants and coal-fired plants and the traffic light systems are not hooked up to the Internet. They're on their own internal systems. 
and we do not need those to be wired into the Internet. This is asinine. We have separate private and government networks for this, and I've interviewed top experts in cybersecurity, and they say this is a red herring. My whole point about quoting the mainstream media is that they're not even denying it. This is an admitted fact, and we need to not have critical infrastructure hooked into the internet that is the solution don't 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 hook critical infrastructure to the web and then use that as an excuse to take our free speech we need more free speech with all this growing tyranny not less and the system knows that and knows the people are waking up so they're panicking and openly coming out on other fronts and saying they want to start shutting down free speech alex it's an interesting point really quickly who stands to benefit from uh, the uh, the cybersecurity measures that the administration is taking if they're if they're not as warranted as you believe Well, that is a wonderful point. If you search the term Internet 2, going back a decade, that's a consortium of top universities, the Fortune 100, and governments uh, in Europe, in England, the U.S., uh, Australia, uh, and a few other nations, uh, kind of the echelon group of countries, as I have dubbed them, the Anglo-American establishment, uh, they are going to basically hand the web over to a few global corporations through this uh, type of neo-fascism to where they are going to regulate and control the Internet for the government. And so this is the select corporations being given basically control over the future infrastructure and blueprints of the future web. And it gives them an unfair trade advantage over not just individuals and other companies, but other governments. This is an attempt to weaponize uh, the Internet uh, by the establishment and use it as a tool of control and surveillance worldwide. All right. That was Alex Jones, radio host, with his thoughts on cybersecurity and the threat of cyber warfare. What's really behind the administration's efforts? Okay, so we wanted just to kind of give you that last clip there to round out the perspective on this whole subject. Uh, And again, this is why I have had it stated to me that you might want to start looking at shortwave. If you're on the Internet right now, if your ministry is based upon that, it it might end up having to go that route. And um, I know me, I've got all my eggs in this one basket with the Internet and the email. But that could come to an end literally any time. If it's the right thing, and this is what we're going to talk about next, the right event for this type of legislation to be enacted, then we're going to have, we could have an ending of the internet very, very, very quickly. Or the end of, I would say, any kind of free internet. We'll have Big Brother internet, George Orwell internet. But, um, so it's good to kind of look at some other alternative ways to get truth out. This next article is uh, from Cutting Edge, and we're going to be looking at uh, a news brief entitled Top Clinton Official, who's also a Bilderberger, says only a terror attack can save Obama. This is from July 14, 2010. A former senior advisor to President Bill Clinton says that the only thing that can rescue Barack Obama's increasingly tenuous grip on power as his approval figures continue to plunge, is a terror attack on the scale of an Oklahoma City or a 9-11. Another startling reminder that such events only ever serve to benefit those in authority. The last phrase is completely true. Terrorist attacks do serve the interests and further agenda of politicians in power. The attacks of 9-11 are a perfect example. President Bush and Congress were able to pass the Draconian Patriot Acts 1 and 2, which take our freedoms and constitutionality guaranteed liberties away on paper. The attacks of 9-11 so traumatized the American people that now new laws are being enacted even though the terrorist attack failed. Um, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but thus we had a spectacle of a failed shoe bomber and equally failed Times Square bomber. America today is an absolute dictatorship on paper. Our freedoms are gone on paper. Uh, one of the only reasons we're still walking around today is because the time for overthrowing our present government has not yet come. All plans will accumulate in the outbreak of World War III. As former Satanist Doc Marquis has emphasized time and time and again, not one part of the plan will jump ahead of the others. World War III is the watershed event in all modern history, for this is an all-out war and the Antichrist will come striding in at the very end of it most likely as the man of peace. Now, I've said this many, many, many times, 
that the New World Order has a plan, they have a script, and they have to stick with the plan and stick with the script. And unless certain pieces are in place, they cannot enact other pieces. So, although I think it's been God's mercy and God's intervention that we've gotten this far without having the world implode, um, I believe we're very, very near at this point. I mean, let's face it, and I've said this before, if they had it their way, the George Orwell book of 1984 would have actually been reality. Where we would have had that draconian system in 1984. You know, here we are, decades later, and we still haven't really had it get to that point yet. So, again, it's something to think about. Doc Marquis, the guy that he mentioned, I've actually talked to Doc Marquis on the phone. He actually sent me some... Uh, videos, it's been a long time, uh, he was a former Satanist, Luciferian, he was a generational Luciferian, I mean, this guy was serious, he actually, they actually, when he got to a certain age, they actually cut his arm open, and he dipped a quill pin feather in his own blood and signed the Book of the Dead, this is the type of environment, background Doc Marquis comes out of, and this is what he was taught, growing up as a, a generational Luciferian, that, you know, there's a script and it's got, it, the, the script has to be followed. So, but remember, the Lord Jesus Christ is still the one on the throne and he's the one that's, that's permitting this or that to happen as well. Uh, so if we return to the story, Robert Shapiro makes it clear that Obama is relying on a, quote, October surprise in the form of a terror attack to rescue his presidency. The bottom line here is that Americans don't believe in the President Obama's leadership, added Shapiro, adding, quote, he has to find some new way, some way between now and November of demonstrating that he is a leader who can command confidence and in short of a nine and short of a nine eleven or an Oklahoma City bombing, uh, I can't think of how he could do that. In other words, he's got to have some big cataclysmic event in order to prove to everybody he's a wonderful leader. Does anyone remember that leaders were saying much the same thing during Bush's eight years? We captured some of these misinformation articles in a comprehensive report. And there's a link I provide here, or Cutting Edge provides, entitled, Since 9-11, the world has continually been subjected to global wars and rumors of wars. Just as the Bible predicted in Matthew 24, Jesus said that. That there will be wars and rumors of wars. See that your heart be not troubled, for the end is not yet. Um... Uh, we demonstrated that official false warnings of another terrorist attack permeated from 9-11-2001 through January 2004 when we posted this summary, but our point is that these kind of false alarms have been quite common since 9-11. The news story, this news story is yet another uh, rumor of war. But eventually, some of these things are really going to start happening. Now again, we were just talking about all this stuff with the internet and how they're trying to, to jockey everything into position so that when uh, we have some cyber attack or some type of event that the government is just going to take over control of the internet and essentially they can shut, shut it down. And again, that segues nicely into the last thing that we just talked about where um, Obama is most likely you know, getting desperate at this point. Next article. Predictions of the end of the civilization are nothing new. But the direct prognosticators have traditionally existed on the fringe of society, where their dark visions can be comfortably attributed to an excess of libertarianism or a shortage of Prozac. In the last few years, however, some strange things have happened. While there's no lack of survivalists stockpiling cat food and rifles, some of the direst thinkers are now working on Wall Street, where a combination of fear and foresight has many of the country's money men contemplating their escape routes. The patron saint of Wall Street apocalypse society may be a man named Barton Biggs. What a name, Barton Biggs. The leader of the Traxxas Partners, a multi-billion dollar hedge fund. Biggs has gained a reputation for his dire predictions, particularly those of the much of his much-quoted 2008 analysis of World War II, Wealth, War, and Wisdom. At the end of the book, Biggs offers his conclusion from the brief study of history, suggesting that the likelihood of a future era in which people with wealth will face another time of cholera, 
when the four horsemen ride again and the barbarians unexpectedly will be at their gate. Biggs offers some interesting advice for hedging the apocalypse. In addition to prescribing a highly diversified portfolio heavily invested in equity instruments, Biggs also advises that his readers buy farms to which they can retreat when the hammer drops. Now this is what even one of the main, main guys on Wall Street is saying. <laughs> buy a farm that you can retreat to when the hammer drops. So I, I've reported a lot on this. And the Bible says, The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So there's a lot of evil coming coming down the pike here. And um, it was a big reason that I got out of Florida because I believe that situation is one way or another going to develop into something much worse than it is now. Um, and also I really believe the Lord opened the doors up here and, and, and for years I've had a conviction about moving up here and praise the Lord. So, um, But this is from um, Raiders News Network, this little article. And then I also give a whole bunch of links they have to like one-year supply of emergency food, Berkeley water filtration, gas masks, MREs, which are meals that are ready to eat, water purification filters, hazard radios, lights, terror survival, survival kits, stuff like that. Um, not that I'm, I'm not profiting off any of this. I'm just trying to give, in the newsletters, a broad spectrum of things that you might need or feel convicted about regarding the coming end times. Okay, next article. Uh, is entitled, Officials Continue to Condition Americans to, cons- to, to the Concept that Illegal Immigrants Should Be Included in a North American Union Citizenship. This is from a news brief entitled, Arizona Sheriff Defends Immigration Law. Um, an Arizona sheriff known for his tough stance on illegal immigrations has told a group of nearly 2,000 Kansas Republicans that his state needs It's new immigration law because the federal government isn't doing its job. Kobach, Sheriff Kobach, helped write the Arizona law that directs officers to question people who have been stopped for another crime about their immigration status if there is a reasonable suspicion they're in the U.S. illegally. Arparo says the law will allow his state to protect its residents. Protesters adamantly claim that this new law will lead to what they call racial profiling. We believe, and that this is cutting edge talking here, we believe this entire episode is simply and only an outward working of the classic, quote, six-step attitudinal change plan. And we'll explain that in a second. In this Arizona illegal immigration law, the law itself represents step one, which is some practice so offensive that it can scarcely be discussed in public is advocated by a respected expert in a respected forum. Arizona lawmakers passed this controversial law and the government si- governor signed it. These are respected experts speaking from their offices on a respected forum. Now, the protesters and the official federal government challenge represents step number four, in which the process, by sheer repetition of the shocking subject under discussion, gradually has its dulling effect on the populace. After lawsuits provide enough sheer repetition, some peop- someone will step forward with a bold counterproposal and a hybrid concept, which is neither the original status quo, meaning thesis. So we've got the Hegelian dialectic, which represents thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. Thesis here, in this case, is the illegal immigration as it is today. Um, the antithesis, or antithesis, uh, is the bold reform of the Arizona law now under fire. The new idea, which will be a hybrid of the two, will be a middle position called synthesis, which will propose to make all these North American people, North American uh, people, whether they're illegal aliens or whether they're citizens, legal North American citizens. The bottom, This is the bottom line goal of this entire affair, of this whole illegal immigration event. I mean, it was created by... The government, I mean, come on, you, you don't have to be a genius to figure out that when you have open borders with Mexico where legal aliens can pour in and come there and basically do little to nothing about it in, re- in relation to what they should have done, they've created the problem. They're trying to dilute society with a whole bunch of uh, illegal aliens and who are going to be very also loyal to their voting base uh, they're going to be very, uh, I guess you would say, of a very liberal um, bent 
and obviously very much in favor of Obama, they create this gigantic problem, and then they give you the solution later. And, you know, the solution, uh, unfortunately, is most likely going to be the North American Union, where they just say, okay, Mexico and Canada, we're all one big happy family, and this is the North American Union, and then, and then all the illegal aliens that are here legally all of a sudden become uh, U.S. or North American Union citizens, and they can go wherever they want. There's no repercussion for all the stuff they've done that's illegal. No, no repercussions whatsoever. And um, this is what the ultimate goal of this whole thing is. They create the mess, and then they give you the solution in the end. Because they're going to say, hey, there's too many here. We can't do anything about it. We just got to, we have to legalize them now. And again, we've talked about this a lot in other studies too. So, uh, Next article. A measure in the U.S. House of Representatives that would force the chamber into a new vote on Obamacare, even if House Speaker Nancy Pelosi doesn't want it, is halfway toward its needed support. Advocates say constituents need to call the representatives to tell them to get on board right away so that a petition is positioned to move forward whether or not the GOP becomes the majority house after the 2010 fall elections. So there, there is a U.S. House plan now overturning Obamacare. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, we're not supposed to meddle with these types of things. But what I'm telling you right now, is, and I've told you this in times past, if... We, as American people, do nothing to show the Illuminati or the elite or whoever you want to call them that their draconian plans are bothering us or that we're against them. What that does is it gives them the green light to say the sheeple people are so dumbed down and so apathetic that we can do whatever we want. So from that standpoint, yes, the primary thing is to pray about these, these situations, inform other people. But also, I think there's a certain uh, thing that where we want to try to, in as much as we have that opportunity, to um, react and to resist evil. We are supposed to resist evil. And Obamacare is pure evil. Just about anything he's had his hands on is pretty much that way. So, again, just something to think about. Ne- next article. Beware of evangelical wolves in sheep's, in sheep's clothing. The White House invited four of the country's top evangelical pastors to attend President Obama's speech this morning. Again, it wasn't this morning, but it was very recently. Calling for immigration reform. Again, this is the exact subject we were just talking about. The move is proof both to the importance the issue has come to assume in the evangelical world, including among leaders who have battled Democrats on social issues like abortion and gay marriage. Meaning, abortion and gay marriage are typically a, a matter that most of the church, whether they be even a lot of the lukewarm variety, most of the church have been against abortion and gay marriage. Okay, But this subject, unfortunately, seems to be... Um, there's a lot of people, a lot of... The, the church doesn't know where they need to stand on this. Um, the White House's eagerness to enlist evangelicals to help counter conservative opposition to the idea of a path to citizenship for illegal immigrations already is in the U.S. So in other words, what we're seeing here is Obama is trying to bring in top evangelicals to actually, he's enlisting them to help counter conservative opposition to making... Um, these illegal aliens, just normal citizens. He's actually using the church in order to do that. Here is a cheat sheet on the evangelical bigwigs the White House just invited. Number one, the Reverend Lee Anderson, president of the National Association of Evangelicals. The NAE is the nation's largest group of evangelicals and has long sought to be a moderate Evangelical alternative to the Christian right. Yes, we need what we need now are liberal Christians and moderate Christians. We need ones that are really, really, really just getting away from the Bible as much as possible so that we can become a kinder, gentler nation. We can become this nice big brother controlled one world government, one world political system, one world religious system under the Antichrist and the false prophet. That's what we need now, right? I mean, isn't that the solution? I mean, that's what they're basically saying here. After sitting out the 2007 fight over immigration reform, the group, this group, this National Association of Evangelicals, passed a unanimous resolution last year 
supporting comprehensive reform on immigration. What does that mean? That means comprehensive reform equals amnesty for illegal um, immigrants and total disregard for the rule of law. So in other words, all these illegal aliens that have come over here and all the, the stuff that's went along with that, just forgive them, make them citizens, everything's good now, and we need this, this uh, amnesty for these illegal immigrants. Second person that they invited to this White House uh, breakfast, Dr. Richard Land, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Land is the public policy chief for, for the count, country's largest evangelical denomination, a perch he has used to bash the Obama administration on multiple fronts, including health care reform. But he sees comprehensive immigration reform as a biblical mandate uh, and worries that conservatives will burn bridges with the country's fastest-growing Hispanic bloc if they take a hard anti-immigrant line. He says, quote, Hispanics are hardwired to be like us on the sanctity of life, marriage, and other issues of faith. Land told CNN, describing the political similarities between Hispanics and white Southern Baptists, he said, quote, I am concerned about being perceived as being unwelcoming to them. Note, or does that concern speak to the additional millions of dollars in the collection plates each Sunday that they will bring? There is an estimated 12 million illegal immigrants living in the United States. Also, where's the biblical text and mandate that mandates the breaking of the law of the land? Okay, now, again, I've said this before, not all the laws of the land are biblical, but, you know, either you are, if you're here as an illegal alien, you're here illegally. That, to me, is the overriding factor here. And a factor that has been, you know, a lot of times it's not even brought up in the conversation or the debate about this particular subject. What is the foundation of that subject? Well, the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundation of the illegal alien debate is that they're here illegally. <laughs> End of story, you know. So they create this gigantic problem, let so many people pour into the borders... And a lot of them now, as we reported last week, actually aren't even just coming from Mexico or South America. They're actually coming from the Middle East. And they, we, even, we even talked about the whole thing where they train them as terrorists over in Afghanistan and Iran and Iraq. They route them under, through South America, through Chile. They come up through the, um, the, uh, up through the bottom of Mexico and then they cross the border. And then we got homegrown, we got these terrorists already here. And that's a whole other problem that, that's not being addressed whatsoever. So, um, anyway. Here's the third person they invited to this breakfast. The Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Council. Rodriguez leads the county's country's largest Hispanic evangelical group and has credibility with the Christian right leaders because of his anti-abortion and anti-gay marriage ad advocacy. He has recently partnered with the Dean of Liberty School of Law, Matt Staver. I cannot believe Matt Staver is on board with this. I actually treated Matt Staver's sister. She was a patient of mine when I was practicing chiropractic down in Florida. I cannot believe Matt Staver is on board with this. But, evidently, that's the case. That, when I read that, I was really uh, upset by that. Anyway, this Reverend Sam Rodriguez, he's partnered with Liberty, Dean of uh, Liberty uh, University of Law School, Matt Staver, in a bid to convince conservative Christian groups like Focus on the Family to get behind the comprehensive immigration reform. Fourth person they invited to this breakfast, Bill Hybels, senior pastor of the 12,000-plus member Willow Creek Community Church. Located in northwest suburban Chicago, you know, total apostate. Um, one of the largest, co country's largest congregations, a prominent evangelical moderate, Hybels was a spiritual advisor to President Bill Clinton. He did a great job. Note, the so-called Christian groups will increasingly be used as an empowering arm of the New World Order to subjugate, hypnotize, and assist in cajoling and mesmerizing the masses into submission to government-slash-corporate enslavement through the perversion of the pure word of God. 
quoting scripture out of context, such as Romans 13.1, and also through things like the satanic perversion of music and methage used right out of what they call the Monroe Institute Handbook, used by Russia, U.S., and foreign governments, the CIA, MK Ultra Mind Control slave programs, and black ops programs. I know I said a mouthful there. This was actually... Uh, but what the guy said really confirms all the research I have ever done. Well, what is it? These 501c3 corporate church entities that have literally sold their souls to Satan to a large extent are going to be empowered and used by the New World Order to subjugate, hypnotize, and assist in cajoling and mesmerizing the masses into submission to government, corporate enslavement. And again, they're going to do that by misquoting verses like Romans 13.1. Now, I've done a whole teaching on Romans 13. And it's entitled, Romans 13, and Unlimited Subservience to the Government. Where should a Bible-believing Christian draw the line? I'll give you the link right here. It'll be in the email that I send out and in the PDF connected with this teaching on contendingfortruth.com. I also give you a link to another article that, are, that explains to you how the feds are training the 501c3 clergy to, quote, quell dissent during martial law. The, church, the churches are actually going to be used as gathering points, food distribution centers, and possibly mass vaccination centers during martial law with the pastor of a given flock being the one up there uh, assigned to quell dissent and placating their flock. And we've already, a lot of these pastors have already made deals with Homeland Security and with FEMA in order to do this. And I document the whole thing in this teaching. I don't have time to go down that road today, but it's, it's easily documentable. And this has been a long time coming to you. This is not something that had, happened last Tuesday. This is something that's been years in the making. So please take notice that the mass mind control methods currently being employed in megachurches throughout North America, like flashing bright colored pinwheel images used by professional hypnosis on the church, Professional staging auditoriums with no windows or outside distracting lights, whilst repetitive lyrics are sung on a screen projected uh, in ear-splitting, loud, mind-controlling rock and roll drum and bass guitar leads over and over and over again. Add to that the mind-manipulating reverse images found in these repetitive lyrics. Go ahead and listen to the lyrics in reverse for yourself. You won't believe what you hear. Now again, I don't believe backward masking is always involved in every single one of these things, but... It can be in a majority of the time. There is an agenda at large, as God has revealed to his servants who have eyes to see and ears to hear, to be vigilant, uh, to be vigilant, uh, to guard your minds, your hearts, your very souls from other well-oiled satanic, from the well-oiled satanic machine of deception. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus admonishes us in Matthew 7, 15 to through 23, to beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruit. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will send to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works? And then I will, press unto, I will profess unto them, in part, the adherence of the false gospel being promulgated in the mega churches to the very ruination of their souls. In part, I will prophesy prophesy to them, or I will say to them, I, uh, depart from me, I never knew you, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. So, again, I got that email, and I think, uh, I think whoever put that together did a pretty good job of summing everything up here, and confirming exactly what we're talking about uh, today. Uh, let's see here. Here's another one from Obama. Obama named Susan Johnson Cook ambassador for the International Religious Freedom. Susan Johnson Cook, or Dr. Sujay, now has been appointed by, the, by Obama as ambassador for international religious freedom. She is a former Clinton spiritual advisor and a, quote, reverend with the American Baptist denomination. Her book, is entitled Too Blessed to be Stressed, was published by Thomas Nelson, according to the U.S. Department of State. That's a real biblical title, Too Blessed to be Stressed. You know? Um, here's a quote, I believe, from the U.S. Department of State. The, official, the Office of International Religious Freedom has the mission of promoting religious freedom as a core objective of the U.S. foreign policy. Headed by Ambassador-at-Large, for International Religious Freedom, 
who is the Susan Cook. Its office director and staff monitor religious persecution and discrimination worldwide, recommend and implement policies in respective regions or countries, and develop programs to promote religious freedom. Well, I guarantee you they're not going to be promoting the religious freedom of true Bible-believing Christianity. In fact, that'll be the one thing they're going to target. They're going to say that we're all bigots and that we all think we're better than one another because we say narrow is the way which leads to life eternal and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leads to destruction and many there be that go thereat. And they're going to say we're bigots because we believe we have to do this through the Lord Jesus Christ, his shed blood, his death, burial, and resurrection, his finished work on the cross, and all the other religions are going to say, no, 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 we do it our way. We, we work our way to heaven or nirvana or wherever we're trying to get to. And we think that you're wrong for telling us we're going to go to hell because we're doing it this way through through works. Whereas the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2.11. So, guaranteed, all of these things like this are going to be used against Bible-believing Christians if, I mean, eventually. I'm not saying they're going to do it right off the bat, but eventually they will use this. According to a Washington, D.C. press release in 2009, Johnson Cook is dubbed as Billy Graham and Oprah Winfrey rolled into one. She's a new spirituality type of Christian. According to Johnson Cook's website, she is also a member of Renaissance Weekend, an interfaith think tank, meaning interfaith like all these different faiths, Buddhism, Hinduism, all your isms, Okay, an interfaith think tank that, quote, seeks to build bridges across traditional divides of professions, and politics, geography and generations, religions and philosophies. What is this? This is the yet one more thing, one more building block of the one world religion that the Bible predicts will happen under Antichrist. The essence of that one world religion is going to be witchcraft. Because the Bible says that when the Antichrist arises, he is going to cause craft to prosper in his hand. That word craft, you can go out and buy the book The Craft. What is it? It's a witchcraft how-to manual. Okay, there is a uh, mini-series called The Craft. Um, it's about witches. It's, witchcraft is many times referred to as The Craft. Now, we also know that the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to, the primary way they're going to deceive the whole planet is through lying, signs and wonders, and miracles. Okay, that's, the, that's what Revelation says. Okay, that's what the Bible says. The primary, Well, what is going to be the basis for lying, signs and wonders, and miracles? going to be witchcraft. It's going to be high-level witchcraft like you've never ever seen or been able to comprehend before. So much so that it's going to deceive the whole planet. And this type of, of, of lukewarm abominations that are going on where we're, we're getting everybody on the same page from a religious standpoint is just one more building block toward that one world religious system under Antichrist and the false prophet. i got to cut out here and go to part three next. God bless you.